Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine. And we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. All right, little lovers, on the new Truth Podcast, Kate and I are ridiculously excited to share Renee Reese with you, the worthiness queen, today for episode 37 to end your self-worth struggle. Whether you are joining us to this episode knowing that you're struggling with self-worth or maybe you've been thinking you like yourself and you're good <laughs> in your life, we're going to amplify your life and really share the truth about what happens when you own your worth as a woman in the world. In my experience, absolutely everything becomes possible. And Renee, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about self-worth and support all of our women on their journey in love. So thank you for being here. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. So Renee is a transformational writer, speaker, teacher, and worthiness queen, and an innovator in the personal development industry. As a kid, she always had her nose in a book, ready to learn or get lost in another world. As an adult with the same love of learning, she consistently learned about trauma, healing, the brain, the subconscious mind, and everything else she could about personal development and self-improvement. It's this work that helps her to heal from her own trauma and be free from codependency, depression, anxiety, and complex PTSD. She is an attorney, certified success coach, NLP practitioner, time techniques practitioner, and hypnotherapist. Wowza. Wow. A dynamic in-demand <laughs> speaker and audiences love her for her practical application and takeaways, transparency, and relatability. In her free time, she loves to do yoga, spend time with family, have long talks over good food with good friends. We don't have food while we're recording this podcast, but we're good <laughs> friends here. Travel and wear bright lipstick wherever she goes. And yes, my loves, if you have not checked out all of her epic selfies and <laughs> seen the podcast cover for this episode, you will see that you rock the red lipstick, my friend. Thank you. My bio sounds so legit. It sounds well, so good. I'm like, you who are, are you? Legit. This is only the second time we've met. And I'm like, whoa, who is this chick? You are legit. And you know what? I actually was having a conversation this morning about how important it is for women to own their experience, yeah. right? Like we no more being freaking shy about what you've got going on and the tons of hours that you have spent investing in yourself and modeling 
You know, like I, Kate, what we always joke about, like, we want the confidence of like the 18 year old life coaches <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just like, you know, go out there and, and do whatever the, the male ones usually. Um, but I think it's just so beautiful to read your bio and we, it really matters to us who we have on this podcast. And I just am beyond excited that everyone gets to meet you and learn from you today and learn how to truly end the self-worth struggle. Absolutely. I love what you said about just owning our stuff and I definitely own it. I just never, I just never hear it. <laughs> like, you know, when you're just out there living your life and you're working with your clients and you're just going and going, it's, I, I never read my own bio back. So I just, mm -hmm. thank you. Like, that's me. <laughs> yeah. And, that's I, me. and I love that that's your response that you're like, and to me, that just speaks to the worthiness queen because it's uh, like, I just imagine other women hearing their bio and being like, whoa, it sounds a bit like boastful or they, they might have a inner collapse around it. Whereas you're like, ooh, cool. That's me. <laughs> it's awesome. So we start with all of our interviews. What is one moment? Because we are very sure that there are many, 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 many moments of transformation in your life but one moment that had the biggest impact on who you are in the world now, like one of the most transformational moments of your life. Man. Oh my goodness. There's so many, <laughs> obviously. Um, but just hearing that question, I think about this time and I want to say early 2016. Um, and I was going through a little bit of a dark night of the soul, as we say, um, what happened. So I had just gotten out of a serious relationship with the man I thought I was going to marry. Um, me and my best friend at the time had a friendship breakup. Um, my job, uh, I was only contracted to be at my job. I was a lawyer. I was contracted to be there for a year and they didn't renew my contract. So I was unemployed. Um, and at the same time, I was in therapy healing from all my childhood trauma, like for the first time. Wow. So it was just a very, very <laughs> intense period. And for the first time, I felt like I had nothing to hold on to. I had no relationship to dive in. I had no codependent friendship to rely on. I had, you know, I couldn't just bury my head in work. I didn't even know what I wanted to do with my life, really, which is crazy because I was only four years ago. Um, and I just... I really had to tune in and really get to connect with myself and really get to know myself. And honestly, the, that time was just very dark. And at times I was suicidal during that time. And I just remember there was a part of me that was just like, okay, if I can just make it through this, like I'll be okay. Like if I could just make it to the other side of this, um, I know that, you know, there's something on the other, other side of this. So I'll just have like a little bit of hope to keep going on to continue on and just heal myself the best way I know I can. And, you know, I did. And <laughs> little by little, um, I figured out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I started that year. I took my first solo trip. I went to Australia mm -hmm. by myself. Um, I really started healing from trauma and really just owning my life and, and showing up for my life fully in a way that I had never done before. And it was super painful, but um, just being on the other side of that, I'm so grateful and I'm so happy that I stuck that out. Wow. I was going to say, it's always a breakup. 
<laughs> it's, it's always a breakup that changes our life. <laughs> breakup of all the things and all at once comes in threes when it rains, it pours. Uh, like, can I just have like one thing to like be, mm. you know, relying on? But I needed it and I'm so just thankful for that time, even though it sucked. But I'm thankful. Yeah. And how'd you find coaching? Man, um, so at that time, I, yeah, so I was unemployed and, you know, I was still a few years out of law school and I was like, okay, like I have this whole law degree and I don't know if that's what I want to do for the rest of my life at my, at my last job. I remember, so I was doing foreclosure defense. So I was helping people who were about to lose their homes, which mm-hmm. is, you know, very noble work, but, you know, I would be in my office looking at someone's mortgage and I'd be like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I can't Mm. do this for the rest of my life. I hated going to court. I just Mm. hated everything about being a lawyer, really. Mm. And at that time, I was applying for a job, um, and it was to work with kids. So I have just a heart for foster children, and that's just a cause that's really important to me. And I was like, okay, if I have to be a lawyer, then I guess if I work with kids, it'll be okay. Um, But the job that I was applying for was notorious for, like, very hard hours, just no work-life balance, just everything sucks. You're very underpaid. It just wasn't a good situation. So I applied for this job twice. And so the first time I got rejected, the second time I made it to the final round and I'm waiting for the results. And I'm also on a trip to Cuba at the time. And I remember thinking like, okay, if I get this job, that means that I'll, I'll never travel the world the way I want to. I'll never like have a career the way that I want to. I'll be stuck in the courthouse for 20 years paying off my law school loans. And um, I just remember like my life flashed before my eyes. And part of me was like, okay, I don't think I want this. And if I don't get it, that's my, you know, my sign to do something different. So I was rejected from that job again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so the only skill I had was being a lawyer at the time. And I, I didn't really know about coaching. I, I had no idea about coaching yet. So I was like, okay, a lot of my friends are starting businesses and they were asking me for legal help. So I was like, mm. oh, I can be a lawyer for entrepreneurs. I know how to do contracts. Like I know trademark law. Um, I can, you know, make a whole business out of this. And so I started my business. I hit six figures within, within that year. And I hated my business. I resented my business so much. Um, I remember I was in Bali actually, and I was at my laptop all of the time, like all the time. I had this beautiful backdrop around me and there's so many things I wanted to do, but I was on my laptop all the time. And I just didn't like the work at all. You know, like it just, it wasn't for me. Mm. So I was in Bali and I was like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. What the heck am I going to do? Like what, what, what even is there? And I knew at that time, a lot of my clients were coaches um, and I had been in mastermind. So I knew, I understood the coaching industry a little bit. And I remember saying like, okay, I think, (laughs) I think I'm going to walk away from this and what am I going to walk into? Um, So I started thinking about what I like to do, like what I had been through and as I said in my bio, I'd always been into personal development. I had always been, I remember when I was a lawyer, I would, we were supposed to be in like trainings for like legal stuff. And I would sneak off to trainings about trauma and the brain and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, it has to do something with improvement. And 
I, I had seen people be motivational speakers and coaches and I was like, okay, I think that's, I don't know, somewhere along that path. Um, and then I started, you know, studying the subconscious mind a little more. I got training. Um, that's when I became a hypnotherapist and a time techniques practitioner and NLP and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, I ended up being a coach. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> no, it's the best. We've got time. <laughs> We've got time. We want to hear your story. And that's the best. And I just really admire your willingness to ask those difficult questions because so much of what Kate and I talk about, I mean, the, the new tr truth is essentially about the old paradigm of love in which most people enter things thinking about the rest of their life. Like it doesn't even occur to them to say, well, wait, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life, right? Like everything has such finality to it. And so I'm listening to like, wow, like to even be asking yourself those questions of, wait, I don't know if I want this, right? Already speaks to who you are as a woman because most of our clients, like the people that find us are women that very rarely are asking themselves what they actually want right? It's all what I think I should want or what I should do. So I really, really am moved by you that you are already willing to ask those questions. And my God, I bet you got a ton of shit around <laughs> going to law school and then not ending up a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And at the time, I know it sounds great on the other side, but at the time, I was very confused at the time. I felt very like, sure. okay, I don't know what I want, but this is definitely not what I want. So like, mm. and, and I felt like, okay, am I ever going to figure out what I want? Mm. But I had to be honest with myself and really tell myself, okay, like you're miserable. So this, this isn't it. Right. Um, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. What, what else did you ask? <laughs> um, just if you got shit for not being a lawyer after going to law school. Yeah, you know what? To this day, people are like, so <laughs> just random people, not even like my family, but other people are like, wait, so you went to law school and like, you're not, you know, practicing law and just, just random people. I'll be at a party. Well, not anymore. Um, but I'll be at a party in non-COVID times and people will just say stuff and they'll think like, you know, what? why wouldn't you use this? Or I don't know if they think I'm unhappy coaching, but sometimes people will be like, hey, you know, like I have this legal job and like maybe you'd want to do that. I'm like, no, nothing. <laughs> there's no part of me that wants to do that at all. I have a question. Did, did you know that before? Like or what, what part of you got, what part of you said yes to becoming a lawyer, like to even going to law school? Was it, do you feel like it was, like trying to please other people or prove yourself or whatever? Was it coming from your, your truth? That is such an awesome question. Um, no. So it, no part of it was coming from my truth <laughs> at all. Um, I think at the time when I was graduating, when I was in college, it was the recession. And I remember everyone being like, you're never going to find a job. <laughs> like everything's so hard. Like college graduates are just going to have a terrible time finding employment. And, you know, I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet. So I knew I liked reading and writing and I took a law class and it just seemed like, okay, this is a responsible career choice. And I know my parents will be happy and this just seems like a safe thing to do. Um, so yeah, it was very much out of people pleasing and in fear of the unknown like I, I I love school so much I love learning and you know I went straight from high school to college and I was 
afraid of what was going to come next. And I was like, okay, more learning. Let's do that. And then um, around my last year of law school, I, I was like, wow, this is, I remember being at my graduation actually. And um, everyone was so excited and everyone was like, we made it, we did it. And I was like, wow, I, I don't fit here. Like I, there's something, there's something off with this. And I just kind of tugged at that thought for a few years, actually. I just think, how could we possibly know what we want to do for the rest of our life in college, in college? It's like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I know the fact that in Canada, actually, there's less pressure to go to school right after, to go to university right after Mm. we graduate high school. And most people here, not like some people go to university right away, but a lot of people go traveling for a year or go do like do something for themselves, get a job first. And I remember when I backpacked Europe, I did that. I got a job, saved up to go traveling, went traveling around Europe with my best friend. And I remember every single American we met were like, oh, are you on your summer break? Like, what are you studying? We're like, what, what, what uni are you at? Or whatever language they would use. And, and we were just like, oh, no, we're not, we're not in school. And they were so confused. They were like, what, what do you mean? You graduated high school and you're not in college? Like, what? And people were short-circuiting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit more free here, but it, it just seems ludicrous that, that children, I mean, it makes sense if you know you want to be a lawyer or a doctor because schooling takes so long. But for the most part, it's like, you're still a kid. You don't know who you are yet. Go find yourself and then invest the $50,000 to go to school mm. or 100000 or whatever it costs to go to university or college. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember, you know, feeling a little bit of shame after um, and because I I didn't really land on anything. I I knew I wanted to be a coach and I knew I was, you know, kind of in that sphere and I was speaking, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really sure. Um, I didn't feel like really secure in my coaching career yet. Um, And I felt that shame of like, well, you know, I'm however you're, I guess I was 29 and I was like you should know by now like what's wrong with you that you don't know like what you want to do for the rest of your life and then I realized like I've never thought about this like I've never given my chance given myself a chance to have the time and the space and the freedom to know what I want and so Mm -hmm. if it takes me a few years then you know that's totally okay and there it is (laughs) yeah and and like Catherine said earlier it's just like what is with this obsession of the rest of our lives like most with career i mean most of our generation will change their career seven to ten times you know i always know like my this is my business right now and it may evolve i was a business coach before now i'm a you know love relationship coach and like i'm open to many like who knows many iterations of what what i do it's none of like we don't know what's coming it's so ridiculous but in our world it's this like false fear-based sense of security of like you you got to know what you're going to do with your life and you got to find one person that you're going to stay with forever and like it's and so, they say what? it just like that in that voice <laughs> they do <laughs> that's how i heard it <laughs> that's like, how no, i heard it and it no, breaks my it. heart i mean i so appreciate you sharing what you just did because this is obviously going to be a part of a self-worth conversation is shame, right? Mm -hmm. This shame and this pressure of if I don't fit some mold or if I'm not who, you know, whoever they are, they told me I'm supposed to be, (laughs) right? Then we end up feeling like crap. And I know so many women walk around with there must be something wrong with me if, 
There must be something wrong with me if I'm single. There must be something wrong with me if I don't know what I want to do with my life. There must be something wrong with me if I'm not happy rather than you're actually born into a system that has a whole freaking agenda for you and tells you you better behave only a certain, you know, one certain way is appropriate and that's a good girl who does everything right. And it's insane. And I feel the same way, Kate, about my business. I mean, I'm 33 years old. I'm not walking around being a coach right now. This is the thing for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what? This is what I'm really freaking great at right now. And it might change and it might have new desires and new longings. And I might take a break and want to do other things. And that won't mean anything. That won't mean that I've failed or won't mean that I must not have known Right. We have to stop all and that crap. As, and I think, well, I mean, I just think so many women listening to this will relate to your story because we don't talk a lot about careers and a career yeah. path on the podcast, but I think like that's that like listening to your story is like, oh yeah, you were already carving your path to a higher sense of self-worth because you were making choices based on this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. I can't do this anymore. Okay. I'm going to switch to this sector. No, nope, this still doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. Okay. Now I'm going to coach entrepreneurs on how to, how to trademark, by the way, I want to talk to you about that later. <laughs> and then, okay, that path doesn't work. Okay. No, that doesn't feel good. And you just kept testing and kept testing and correcting and continuing. And that's what I do in every aspect of my life. Like that's how, how I feel connected to my worth is like something doesn't feel good, whether it's a relationship or a friendship or a career or a, an apartment or a like meal you're eating, it's not aligned. And that's depleting your self-worth if you keep saying yes to that, which doesn't feel good. Mm. So absolutely. Sorry. Go ahead, Catherine. No, were you going to say something? No, I was just agreeing. Um, I feel like it permeates so many different areas of our life, like money, relationships. I see it in the coaching space in general all the time. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? Like shame and, you know, having debt or shame and running your business a certain way and shame and just what you want out of a relationship or what you don't want out of a relationship. I feel like it permeates just everything. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into self-worth. What, what was, were you walking around with I have low self-worth or what, what led you to the worthiness queen and seeing that this really is what so many women were struggling with? Man, (laughs) so I wasn't walking around like I have low self-worth, but I just started noticing a few things around this time when I was transitioning um, when I was leaving my law firm, I remember just little things that would happen and like with money. I remember being an entrepreneur. I was so burnt out. Um, I was at six figures. I had help, um, but my money management was terrible. I didn't really enjoy my business. I just remember feeling so miserable. And I remember I was booking an Airbnb or something and I was trying to go for like the cheap option and I was on a plane and I just remember feeling like, wow, I don't feel worthy of extravagant things. Mm-hmm. And not that worthiness means that you have to go get facials all the time and, you know, go to the spa or whatever. But I mean, I, I do love a good spa trip, so it's not that. Um, but just I noticed those little things like these choices that I'm making in my life, like I'm not worthy of, you know, wearing certain outfits. or I'm not worthy of feeling good in my body or mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not worthy of love in general. I'm not worthy of 
the kind of partner that I really deep down want. So I started noticing these thoughts and these patterns. And then I started healing my relationship with money. Mm-hmm. And as I started healing my relationship with money, I started healing my relationship around my singleness and desiring a partner and, you know, figuring out what that looked like. Um, and I realized like, oh, I just, I don't think I'm worthy of all of these things. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm worthy of excess and abundance. Um, I don't think I'm worthy of an excess of time, not even just money. I don't think I'm worthy of a partner who adores me. And like, that's a problem for me. Um, so I started healing all of that and realized, oh, wow, this is all about worthiness. And I just see it in so many entrepreneurs all the time. Um, just the way they run their business, they're running on fumes, the, they feel guilty around money, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is all tied together. This is all about worthiness. And this is the most important mm-hmm. thing in the world. And I put up a post the other day and I said, you can have a billion dollars in the bank. You could have you know, your health and you can have a romantic relationship and great friends, but without a deep sense of worthiness, it's going to feel like loneliness. It's going to feel like Mm. poverty. It's going to feel like addiction. It's not going to feel good. And to me, it's just the most important thing in the world. And this is the wound of the feminine. Mm. It's like, men don't have this problem. I remember saying to Jeff one day, I feel like maybe I shared this once on the podcast, but I said to Jeff one day, do you ever feel guilty? And he was like, what? Like, do you ever like worry that people, I don't know, like are judging you or like, he's like, no, (laughs) he was so, he was confused. And I was like, if only you knew what it was like to be a woman, like he, no, he started his business, high-end restaurant, never was like, oh, we're charging too much. Never was like, oh, this is like too expensive rent. No, he just like walked in and he and his business partner just started killing it from the beginning success out of the gates. And, and then, you know, when I started my business, it was like the complete opposite. Like, Oh, I'm scared to charge money. And like, Oh, it's just, it's the wound of the feminine. It's the wound of women because it's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. I mean, we didn't even have our own money like 60 years ago. We had no control. We couldn't vote like 70 years ago. You know, it's, we, we had no rights. And so when you think about it, all the women who've influenced us are our mothers and our aunts and our grandparents grandmothers and great grandmothers and it just gets passed down and passed down and it's crazy that our generation is still untangling this and our you know maybe this next generation the 18 year old coaches that are charging (laughs) 10k out of the gates and super confident maybe they're here to like fully break it because it's see i don't know i'm seeing this next wave i don't know what they're called but this new generation that's coming up right now is uh they're powerful and confident and they seem to be connected to worthiness. So on the outside, who knows on the inside, but. And yeah, so I'm then Gen Z. Yeah. What'd you say? So I'm a fan of Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. Gen Z. Is that what yeah. they're called? Yeah. Gen Z. Well, Cause they have a cool yeah. name. Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what I am. I'm like a millennial elder or something else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Gen Z. (laughs) It's like Jay-Z. That's like Mm. so cool. (laughs) Uh, What happened next? So you realize that like, whoa, I don't feel worthy of this. I don't feel worthy of this. I don't feel worthy of this. And what were the steps that it, you know, you took in order to plug into a sense of self-worth? Yeah. So I started reviewing um, just my blueprint and my paradigm for all of these things, all these areas of my life. Um, so that looked like 
for money stuff, I was, I went back to my childhood, um, for money stuff. I thought about, okay, if I was at the level I was wanted to be at, what would, what would happen? And I realized I had all this stuff with my family. Like it's, it's going to separate me from my family. Like being successful means I lose love. Um, I did a similar thing with love. I was like, okay, if I do find the love of my life and, you know, we're in this great relationship, what does that feel like in my body? What does that feel like to me? And I realized that I was excited, but I also felt like I was going to lose my freedom and love meant a loss. Love meant loss. Money Mm -hmm. meant loss. Love meant loss. Um, And I started just one by one healing those beliefs. And I did a couple, oh, another thing I did. So with time techniques, it's one of my favorite things because you release emotion around um, all of these things. So one of the things I always release is shame and guilt um, and hurt um, just because those are so, like I said, they're so pervasive and I I felt guilty around, I had um, law school loans. I felt guilty for having debt. Um, So a lot of times I think it's not even, you know, what's happening. It's not about the money. It's not about the debt. It's not about the love. It's the emotion um, and the the stuck emotion and the story that is surrounding the debt or the love or the body or the business or whatever. So I started really um, releasing those emotions and then started changing those stories. Um, I also started really working with my nervous system. I'm like super intense with my nervous system um, these days or those days and these days. Um, I was tapping a lot. I was, you know, tapping into my five senses and, you know, making sure that I was taking baths. I had essential oils. I'm rubbing body oil on myself, like just being in tune with my body all the time and being really, really proactive. Um, I was also just started connecting with myself more. I mean, that's where all of this started, just knowing myself more and really, um, so that I can rewrite those stories that I'm, I'm thinking of. Mm. Beautiful. So I love how you tie important. it. <laughs> yeah. I love how you tie it to the body too. Like just the working with the subconscious and all the beliefs and uncovering everything that you're believing that's not true or real, but then working with the body because that's like, this is, I believe our soul's home. And it's like the more we can connect with our bodies and heal our bodies. It's, yeah, that's where our power lies and our worth and all of these amazing things. Um, I have a question, uh, Catherine, interject a few before the question. Do you have something to say on that? What she just um, said? I do, but you can ask your question because I'm sure I'll have a chance later because <laughs> we're, we're in it now about yeah. worthiness. <laughs> I'm just so curious how, like when you had that skewed sense of self-worth or whatever we'll call it, um, before you did all this deeper work, what was your experience with dating and relationships? Who, who, how were you different then versus how you are now? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel comfortable sharing. Oh, no, I feel comfortable. I'm just like, where do I even begin? <laughs> I, I don't know where to begin. Um, okay. So, I mean, my relationships were terrible, <laughs> to, to say the least. They were really, really, really bad. I know that's not a technical term, but they were really, really, really bad just because I had no sense of who I was. And I thought that in my relationships, I would disappear. I thought that I had to behave a certain way. I had to please 
whoever I was with in a certain way and my likes and my preferences and my ideas and my life just didn't matter. You know, everything was in the hands of whoever I was with, meaning um, whatever they wanted to do, whenever they wanted to hang out, I would drop everything. I would, um, you know, really take like verbal abuse and just unhealthy relationship dynamics because I thought, oh, this is what love is. This is what this this is what being cared for being cared by someone really, really is. And I was just so afraid of abandonment that, you know, just treat me however you want to treat me. Just don't leave. Like, do not leave. You know, I, I didn't care. I just thought this was normal. Like this was how relationships were supposed to go. I thought it was, you know, cheating and lying and going through each other's stuff and, um, you know, being verbally abused and, you know, all of those unhealthy relationship dynamics. I just thought, that they were normal. So I repeated that pattern over and over and over again. And then I realized, wow, I'm having the same type of fights and I'm having the same relationship over and over and over again. And, you know, something's, something's, something's amiss here. Like something's going on with me that I'm having the same fight, that I'm having these same type of guys, you know, like I'm the one picking these guys. So what's happening here? So I, I didn't stand up for myself in relationships. And now I feel so comfortable with who I am. Like I, I'm a, an active participant in my relationships. I think mm-hmm. about what I want, um, how I want to be treated. I mean, I, I feel like <laughs> now I, I can't imagine someone treating me badly. You know, I can't imagine someone communicating with me in a way that's harmful. I can't imagine, mm-hmm. um, not being adored and cared for and cherished. Like I just, that, that doesn't even make sense to me anymore that I, I just couldn't possibly um, do that. I just love myself so much and I just wouldn't allow that ever again in my life. So, you know, as you were telling the story about relationships being like how you thought it was normal, the toxic dynamics, I, I was picturing, this is something we haven't talked about before. I was picturing, cause we always talk about how songs and movies and stuff, feed fairy tale love but i was thinking about how many movies and songs also feed domestic abuse or like emotional abuse and how like i'm just picturing music videos from the 90s of like women getting their heart broken and then going back and like just like that we these messages are there too um yeah so like it's it's normal because of whatever we grew up with and whatever our influence was as kids but we also feel like it's normal. And especially if you have other people in your life who have toxic relationships, but then what we see and what we hear, you know, in our music has so much influence more than we know. And if we grew up listening to music that taught us, you know, dramatic, crazy fights and like cheating and whatever was normal, like that, that's what we're going to tolerate. Yeah. And I, I even felt like when I left those relationships, people would be like, oh, you're leaving just because, you know, he said that or he was, you know, talking to whatever girl, like, that's it, you know, like, <laughs> that's all it takes for you to be gone. And I, and I remember doubting myself, like, okay, should I leave? Like, should I stay? And thankfully, I, I got out. But I just remember people being like, it's so normalized. It's just this love, hate, this back and forth, this toxicity is just 
you know, part of our culture. And oh man, it was so normal to me and everyone else around me too. And that's, we, we talk about the importance of sharing this podcast with friends and recognizing that, I mean, there's studies that if your friends are getting divorced, it actually is a higher likelihood that you will too, right? And it's really, really dangerous, right? The, con- the level of consciousness that most women have around relationship and love, right? Right. That's the kind of Ed, quote unquote advice you're getting, right? And then worse, it might've sounded like, well, it's really tough out there you know, don't, don't leave because what if you can't find any, anybody around you? And one of the questions I'm really sitting with and working and it feels like breaking my own conditioning and patriarchy right now is how good can it get? How good can it keep Mm. getting in my life? Because that is so counterculture to the settling and the toxicity and you know, by virtue of being, you know, a woman, we are set up to feel less than and it never occurs to us to have big, grand desires. And we've had countless conversations about inside patriarchy, the bar is set so effing low for what we're willing to tolerate and how important it is. I actually don't know if I've talked about this um, recently, but community, I mean, maybe because I've been grieving that there aren't events and workshops and retreats happening right now. But I, like you, had only terrible relationships. And my experience was I was so disconnected from my self-worth, even if, like my college boyfriend actually did some nice things (laughs) for me. (laughs) Like, I believe this man actually cared. Like he had his own you know, issues too. But even if you don't feel connected to yourself, even if you have a great partner, it's empty. So I so love, you know, what you said you posted yesterday, but you can have all the outside things and you won't even be able to receive it because my work is not about manifesting love. My work is about helping women prepare to receive love because that's the problem is you don't feel worthy of receiving the good things. Um, But one of my practices when I was first you know, learning how to believe in myself and my partner was I was part of a very large consciousness community. And I was very grateful to have had exposure of watching unbelievably devoted men to their Mm -hmm. partner, like couples who had been married for 20 years and were in love and were at these workshops together, were in service together. Like I could track the way the male partner looked at his wife and feel it in my body. And I just made it my mission. I spent a year looking for the men who were devoted to their Mm. wives. And I have a partner who is ridiculously devoted to me and still in love with me and is so loyal to me. It scares the shit out of me still (laughs) six years into our relationship. And it's so important because it is the trauma work. I mean, you have to, I, I also say like, if you're not doing inner child work around relationships, I'm not really sure what you're doing because that's where it started. But we actually are, we're born with a sense of worth until it's not mirrored. And this is really, really important. I don't, I learn or don't learn that I matter. And so if it's not mirrored, right, it then causes the cognitive dissonance around, oh, maybe that's not my truth that I feel and my body is not being mirrored. So, okay, I must be wrong, right? And that's what the child then does. And then it's any attention because we're primed to survive. If, even if it's negative attention, I'm getting attention, so that must be love. And therein we have all the toxic 
relationship culture where we think, well, just because I'm getting attention, that must mean he cares about me. Or just because we have really great sex, that must mean he really loves me. And it's insane, <laughs> right? We never pause to question like, whoa, what does this actually feel like? Do I feel adored and cherished? And that was my word. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but Miley Cyrus's song, I Adore You, or I think it's called Adore You, um, for months before I even started dating, like when I was getting over my breakup, I would listen to that song and dance around my room. And I would just say like, okay, God, I want a partner who adores me. I want to know what that feels like to be adored. And half the time when I'm having conversations with clients, they're like, I have no freaking idea what that feels like. Right. And that's the inner child running the show. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because you know how connected to your worth you are based on what's being mirrored in your life. So I so appreciate the way that you just were saying, like, look, I started tracking and taking a look at, whoa, what's my relationship with money mirroring for me? What are my relationships mirroring for me? And you know, you've got a lot of shame when you can't do, you can't look at that without then feeling immediately horrible about yourself <laughs> because it's not your fault. Like I want to make really clear because this is something my clients really struggle with around getting feedback or starting to be accountable for themselves. Is it just, if you have a really low um, sense of self-worth and a lot of shame, it's going to just, you're going to work against yourself. It'll just be worse to then say, well, I guess it's my fault that I've attracted these people, or I guess it's my fault that I'm struggling with memory or money, memory, <laughs> money. And I guess it's my, you know, I must be doing something wrong. I'm so bad. It's like, okay, wait a minute, pause, breathe. And I always say, imagine there's a little kid that just walked up to you right now. Could you even imagine telling this little kid that they are not worthy and deserving of everything? So why are you talking to yourself like that? Um, I just want to, I love what you just said. When I was first starting my journey, I felt like I didn't love myself. I couldn't make decisions that, you know, were, that, that felt full of love for myself. So what I did, this was like back in the day. Um, I have a younger cousin who I really love. Um, I love all my cousins, but she's like my little sister. But you really and love her. <laughs> <laughs> she's like my little sister. So when, whenever I would make a decision or if I was dating a guy or whatever, I'd be like, okay, if Kayla told me she was in this exact situation, mm. what would I tell her to do? If I would tell her to run, I have to run. And because yes. I didn't really, I didn't, hadn't built the muscles to love myself yet, but I knew I loved her so much. And I knew mm. that she was just an example of, you know, she could do no wrong. You know, like I remember going to one of her school plays and all she did was stand there and hold a sign. And I, I was like taking pictures like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And I realized like that's how I wanted to feel about myself. That's the level of acceptance and love and certainty that I wanted to start to have in a relationship with myself. So I would just pretend it wasn't me. And I would say, okay, if I would tell Kayla to run, then you got to run. And that's kind of where I started. That's oh so beautiful and so smart. That's so, I love that so much. Um, yeah. Having an anchor, someone you, it, it, I like, it's, it's so true. We think of like our friends, we're so protective of our friends and our little nieces and our, and, and, you know, if your friend was dating a douchebag who is talking like shit to her, you would say like, Hey, you know, you are worthy of so much more and you would stand for her. Um, or most of us would. And yet 
with ourselves so much harder. And I just want to speak to the other side because you did mention it, but I was the woman who, um, like when, or the, when I was in my 20s, I had the adoring boyfriends, but I had the feeling. I had this Byron, my Australian boyfriend, was like literally obsessed with me. He was, so, but not in, well, maybe it was a little unhealthy fantasy, yeah, but he was, <laughs> but he was so, he was just so like kind and loving and adoring. And I remember I always said I wanted that. Like, I just want a guy that I'm just certain. And he just, and I, cause I, again, the thinking it's external. So I got all of those things, but because I didn't have the connection inside of me, I couldn't let it in. And I remember, remember saying, wow, I have everything I ever wanted in a relationship and it's not enough still. It still doesn't feel like enough. I need more love, more love, more love. Give me more. And that's that, like, because it were, so whether you're, whether you're tolerating toxic relationships or you have amazing ones, but you can't let it in, that's the disconnection from our sense of worth because not being able to let it in is also, I'm not worthy of this. Like, it's so amazing, but I can't, like, there's a barrier there. And I work with a lot of women that have that where it's like, I, where, where they're geared, they're so wired to give to other people that like when it comes back at them, they have an inability to actually let it in and receive it, which is what you were talking Renee about with money, you know, that like, ooh, like it's showing up now and Oh, I can't receive it. So got to get rid of it. Like can't actually let it in. Cause I'm not worthy of being abundant. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think for me, I had to get, because the women who maybe think like, oh, well, I have everything I want. And it's still empty. A lot of people are proving their worth. Like that's how women are showing up. And it's, well, because I have this great job or because I look like this or because I have lots of money, I must be worthy rather than it's a spiritual awakening to know that you have worth and value because you exist and you want to know power struggles in relationship, it's a fight for having worth and value and power over. And I had to learn, I mean, everything had to be taken away from me. I had, I had a breakdown essentially the way you're sharing, Renee. Break up, all my clients wanted a break at the same time. I didn't have a place to live and I took, bought a one-way plane ticket to Hawaii. And essentially it was like, I had nothing to my name. Like I'm by myself in Hawaii And that was where I fell in love with myself, where it was like, you know what? I don't want to live attached to these things and thinking that that's what actually was going to make me have value in the world. And my experience in my life today is it's not something that I've just arrived in. I have to actually plug in every single day. And that's the purpose of my spiritual practice. That's the purpose of self-care. That's the purpose of having friends who believe in me and see me and remind me who I am. But I think I want, at least for me, I need to address that it's not like this perfect arrival point where now I know I'm worthy and I'm all set, right? Because so much of acting like you matter, which is self-worth, you matter, your feelings matter, your needs matter, is you make it matter that you plug in every day and you behave with like someone that has a body that has limits right you can't work yourself into the ground and then act like you should be able to just show up because there is a whole other narrative around superwoman in our culture right now like you should be able to do it all you know and work out fifty thousand times a day and look perfect you know like i got falling in love with myself on the days when I made a mistake or I said something super shitty to Andrew or I noticed that I was burnt out in my business and it was like, okay, begin again. 
<laughs> begin again rather than because because it sometimes can feel like and, and we have a whole episode around the truth about self-love where we address this because it's like oh self-worth oh cool i'll just have it <laughs> rather than i plug in and i act in alignment with someone who has value and i act in alignment with someone who knows that she's worthy and deserving of a beautiful amazing life yeah and i also just want to know some of the things that we've you know designated as supposed to make us feel worthy it's so arbitrary like mm-hmm. a long time ago someone said you know what if you own a house that means like you made it. If you have a six or seven figure business, that means you're worthy. If you have a, a partner in your life, that means you're worthy. And it's like, <laughs> who made this up? Like this is so right. random and arbitrary. Like just because, you know, that happened for your life and that made you feel good. That doesn't mean the rest of us for all of eternity have to only feel good about ourselves and, and the life and the lives that we're living when we have these random arbitrary things that aren't, permanent you know that are very transient in nature and you know if if i put my whole stock in i can't feel worthy until i'm married then like hmm. i'm just gonna be miserable <laughs> like, I'm just gonna be- Plenty of and it's so are. temporary <laughs> it's an illusion because you get the thing and you feel fucking good for a few weeks or a few months or a year maybe if you're lucky it's temporary because it's not the thing. It's like our soul is just calling us back home, but we keep thinking because mm. we've been taught that it's that thing outside of ourselves. And I think um, just kind of combining what you guys both just said, um, a lot of it is just connecting to ourselves and learning who we are, um, what our inner child wants, what are our preferences, what do we like, what lights our soul up, like what what excites mm-hmm. us. And a lot of times we kind of, delegate that and put that on to these these tasks like I'll feel worthy when my coaching practice is sold out I'll feel worthy when you know I'm in a relationship and then when I'm engaged and then when I'm married and then you know when we go on a five-year anniversary trip or whatever and it's like if you just connect to yourself if you have that relationship with yourself where you can tell yourself anything where anything can show up and you're gonna accept what's going on you're going to accept who you are that is just it's just life-changing it's it's so transformative um we we all desire to be seen we all desire to be accepted and when you start doing that for yourself that changes the game i feel like at a poetry reading when you just want to snap (laughs) like you're you know preaching to the choir here on the new truth and i'm sure every woman can relate to that because if i'm not connected to my worth nothing's ever enough and i'll just keep chasing the next thing and then you wonder why you feel empty when you realize oh none of that stuff is actually designed to make me feel good about myself and when you feel good about yourself then you're going to make the choices that actually reflect who you are rather than marry the wrong person or end up in the wrong job or end up in a toxic relationship or just worst of all like not having a life that belongs to you you know yeah and i was just thinking as you were as you were saying that like i'll be worthy when i'll be worthy when i just want to for the for the women that are listening that are like oh i don't say that to myself it it's often subconscious so the flip side of the i'll be worthy when is oh 
there must be something wrong with me. I don't have a partner yet. Oh my God, I'm 33 and I still don't have a husband yet. Oh, and the like self-shame, self-blame, self-criticism, feeling guilty or wrong or weird, or like you're doing your life wrong. That's like the flip side of I'll be worthy when it's, and that constant thinking like, Oh, oh, it, or it could look like I'll be happy when, oh, I can't, oh yeah, I can't wait till I get that new place. I can't wait till I get that new job. I can't wait till I get that, mm. till this guy commits to me. I can't wait. And we're, we're constantly just in the future versus tending to our garden right now, pulling out all the weeds and, you know, tending to our garden every day. And it can also, I love what you just said. It can also look like, am I doing it right and am I doing yes. like I yes. my clients are like, am I doing enough? Like this isn't happening yet. Am I doing this right? I, I think it's mm. so, so common. And men don't say any of these things. I like know. this is Ever. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think like the internal dialogue. I would love, do you remember that movie with Mel Gibson, What Women Want? And he was like, ah! <laughs> in women's minds, like if a yeah. man could be in our, not that they, of course they have their own struggles, for sure, but like if a man could be in inside of our heads for a day, they would freak out. <laughs> it's, I mean, and this is, and I believe that every woman listening and every single one of us, like our souls, chose to be women in this lifetime and to to be the to be the ones who are here to fucking break free of the matrix. That's why we're here. That's why everyone listening is listening right now because your soul's like, no, no more, right. We're going to rewrite this story for women because we deserve to have it all. And every time. And to feel it. And to feel worthy of having it all. And every time you make a decision that honors who you are, you will feel worthy. Like it comes yes. from the inside yeah. out. It's yeah. not like, I'm just going to walk around with, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, but then still act out and still sleep with my ex and still eat shitty food and still hang out with the friends that are awful and not honoring of me. But it's like you, my path was I acted my way into mattering, mm. right? One second at a time. And sometimes it looked like freaking washing my face at night. That still is hard for me. <laughs> and I get super lazy. But it's like, like, what's the next thing that's going to contribute to my feeling good? And it's not trying to do it all at once because like that, that's overwhelming and the brain doesn't like that either. The brain likes one little step at a time. Keeping promises to ourselves are the, is the fastest way to start feeling better about yourself. And I do believe, I mean, my, my core mantra is I'm worthy and valuable because I exist, right? And every time you take a break, every time you take a nap, when you want to take a nap and go to the bathroom and you actually have to go to the bathroom, not like, oh, I'll wait an hour. I'll just hold it for another hour and do more work. Like, no, <laughs> respond to your needs in the moment. And really that I think every person we've interviewed has been so beautiful about like just the willingness to take stock, right? Like actually be journaling, actually be asking, actually start checking in with yourself. And this is why the three of us do what we do, right? So Renee, I'm assuming you have a coach. You're, you're working with someone like you're, you're a part of a mastermind. Like this is it. Like we embody the work. We make sure we're always living. I have like three people 
I pay right now um, to check in with myself, but it's like the, and from fullness, not from I'm trying to fix myself because lack of self-worth also looks like if I just do enough work on myself, this is something it's, it's Friday. We record on Friday. I probably have had 10 conversations with women um, this week where we're uncovering this idea that um, one, if a partner hasn't happened for me yet, I must be doing something wrong. I'm so sick of that shit. Mm-hmm. It's not, if I just do enough work on myself, then I'll be worthy and then I'll find a partner, right? It's actually impossible to be more worthy than you are right now, but you have to practice living into that by acting like it. And for some women, it's actually taking a freaking break with personal development work because that is the, I, I'm finding a shadow side of too much personal development is we're all trying to fix ourselves. If I can just get it right, finally, then everything magical will happen in my life and I'll never struggle or suffer ever again. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to say something really quickly and then you go, but I also have a question for you in a sec, Renee. Um, I just want to say that on that, I I remember you saying that calling me on this, Catherine, this was maybe six months ago, I was feeling really lost in my business and in my, I was just feeling really uninspired. I had the Instagram bully thing going on. I'll tell you that story later, Renee. Um, And I was feeling so far away from myself. And you said to me, stop listening to everyone else's voices. And I was like, what? Because I always, I was in the habit of every time I clean my house or be doing anything, it would be like Abraham Hicks in the background or a podcast or like I would always be, you know, boxering my friends. And so I, I spent a week like not listening to anyone else's voice. And then I was able to hear my own again. So yeah, that reminded me of that. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I feel like it's such an addiction in the personal development space to always, um, and I feel like it can be a little codependent at times to really always want to hear someone else's voice, not giving yourself space to think, breathe, be at all. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes my clients want this like 10 step money manifestation process. And I'm like, what? Like what? Go outside, you know. Like, <laughs> go take a tree. <laughs> like, what's gonna be the next thing that your soul is going to love? That could be a nap. That could be a bath. It could be for me. Like I, to- I just told you guys before rolling that I-, I hired a new VA and I hired a bookkeeper, and those are the things. Acting on those little things that maybe don't even seem tied to worth, but that's what my soul is demanding. That's me responding to my soul and saying, yes, you're absolutely worthy of support. Mm-hmm. And this is your, these are your needs and I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm always going to take care of you. And just being in that every single day, like you said, Catherine. Yes, 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 yes. And love that. And okay, so I have a, I have a how question. So you talked about earlier, I wrote it down. You talked about the blueprint you're like my paradigm and my blueprint. Ooh, there's the ladybug again. Oh my gosh. And she's <laughs> trapped because my windows are closed. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? So if someone, if like for the women that are listening, if they want to start to, and of course, like working with you, hiring a coach, like there's ways to uncover what your current paradigm is and your blueprint. But do you like, can you explain the process of how you did that for yourself to uncover all the ways you were limiting yourself or holding yourself from, from feeding your worth? Yeah. So a couple of things. I'll start with something else and then I'll I'll circle back to that. Okay. Um, So one of the things I asked myself was, okay, 
So when I have money, when I have love, when I have all those things, then what? That means that I'm blank. That means that I'm, once I pay off my debt, that means I'm responsible. That means I'm secure. That means I'm safe. Um, that means I'm a successful coach or whatever. Once I have love, that means I'm worthier. That means that I'm um, safe. And that means that I, you know, have a sense of family or whatever it was. Um, I figured out what those emotions and what those stories were. Um, and then I went back and, you know, I had been in a lot of therapy. So I knew kind of what my, I, I know what my childhood was like, but I started just rem like gathering memories. I would start meeting with my inner child, like, okay, what are you feeling right now? What's this? And it would, it, a lot of times it'd be rage, it'd be sadness and a memory would come back and I would have to, you know, soothe my inner child by saying, okay, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. I love you. I love you. I love you. Um, and then just thinking back like what, what was my earliest memory of money? What was my earliest mm. memory of love? What was the overall tone about love? Like what message did I get from my childhood about love? What message did I get from my childhood about money? Um, when was the last time, if ever, I felt safe around money? When was the last time, if ever, did I feel safe around love? Um, what what was um, my relationship with food? Like what, did, what was my first... Um, interaction with food that I remember was it negative was it positive um then looking at both of my parents like okay so what did my parents relationship tell me about love what did my parents relationship tell me about money what did my parents relationship tell me about my safety in the world so I just started there and just started thinking of different memories and started communing with my inner child pretty much all the time <laughs> it's um, <the> work <laughs> Yeah, I just started with those early memories. What, like, what, when did I even know what money was? When did I even know um, what love was? And what did that look like? And where did it kind of go wrong? If it started off positive, what happened? And then also just going through my traumas and figuring out what belief I got from those things. Beautiful. Everyone's going to have to replay it. this back and, and write down all those questions. <laughs> and it's just, I, I love, I mean, inner child work is the work that changed my life, period. And it's becoming the parent you never had. Like it's becoming the woman who has all those inner parts back, right? It's becoming the heroine having access to her voice so that the ego doesn't run your entire life. And that, I mean, I think conscious work, consciousness work at the end of the day is about choice. It's not about how many hours I can meditate or how many workshops I've attended or how many, you know, I don't even know other ridiculous things that we would put in place you know but can you know what like right here right now can I love exactly who I am and be present to the gift of this magical moment rather than chasing anything or proving anything and most of all having our own back because this is it it's about who we are in the world. And I keep thinking on the, the gift. I mean, I call Kate my work wife and I can't believe I went as long as I have in my business, not having a work wife because having a work wife has changed my business. But I mean, it's impossible to really have these conversations without talking about the importance of sisterhood, right? And having rock solid quality friends that are actually living their dream life too. 
right? Like women that believe in your dreams as much as you do, women that are challenging the status quo, challenging every social norm, like taking a stand for healthy relationships. Like I'm so grateful right now. Like I'm actually obsessed with my friend's husbands. <laughs> like, and I love like that I can close my eyes at night and like know that they are happy you know, and be inspired by them and that we can have the real conversations about what our struggles are, but not from drama. Like no one's calling me in the middle of the night about drama in their relationship, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that is it. Like our brain needs the evidence of what we believe and having people mm -hmm. around you, even if you can't believe it yet, like take an inventory and like, wow, do I have healthy relationships in my life? Are there women in my life that are shamelessly making a shit ton of money and thrilled about it, right? Women who love their bodies. Like I am so, Kate's dancing videos. Kate, I'm turned on by you constantly. Oh. <laughs> um, but Kate's, Kate's dancing videos of just like watching women love themselves. Like that is actually what's healing and even if it's awkward and you get jealous and there's an episode on jealousy so go listen to that <laughs> on the new truth if you get jealous but i keep like renee i'm so i'm just love your energy i'm so inspired oh, by you. you i feel so lit Same. up i'm obsessed with the podcast that this is what we get to do every single week and why it matters to us to have the most epic women on the podcast for other women to listen to. So thank you so much for all that you have brought today and thank for sh telling the truth about so much. And yeah, just really, really feeling grateful right now. Thank both of you. I love what you said, Catherine, about just having powerful women around you. It's so important. So I don't take these conversations lightly. I, I love being surrounded around people who are just walking in their purpose and their worthiness and killing it so thank you guys for what you brought to this conversation too and what's exciting in your life right now what do you want to celebrate and just offer to our listeners what's not exciting in that <laughs> <laughs> answer perfect oh my god okay. it's so good i'm working on an interview series that is just freaking phenomenal there mm -hmm. are speakers that I have lined up are, once you guys see the lineup, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, it's <laughs> so good. Um, and the speaker series is really for women of color and allies who are wanting to create more wealth, be more fully expressed and revolutionize the coaching industry. Um, so I'm sure your listeners are people who are revolutionary. And um, I know that they would be greatly benefited. We talk about building businesses. We talk about worthiness. We talk about mindset. We talk about confidence. We talk about so many things. We talk about revolutionizing and standing up for what you believe in. Um, the interviews are amazing. So if you guys want to sign up for that and to hear all these amazing interviews that are not only inspirational, they're super practical as well. Um, you can head to worthyandwealthyseries.com. I love that so much. And I feel like I feel I after you're done talking about this, I want you to talk about the connection between money and worth because I feel like for women, like we think our worth is when we have a relationship because that's been so deeply programmed in us. But for a woman to be like successful in growing her own wealth without a partner, like that 
uh, to me feels like so, so sacred and breaking all the old patriarchy bullshit. Okay, carry on. Sorry for the introduction. (laughs) Carry on. Carry on. No, that's such a good introduction just because it is sacred. It is a relationship. And so many people feel like I'm A, I don't know how to manage money or B, like I'm making this money and there are people in the world that are starving, so I don't deserve this. Or see, I'm <laughs> I'm a B so person. <laughs> like I'm in this debt, and I need to feel guilty about it forever and ever and ever. Indeed, like I I don't know how to manage this. I don't know how to um, you know keep having this income coming in. I don't know how to hold this consistently. I don't know how to receive more and more and more. And really, it's I, I tell my clients it's your relationship with money is a relationship. So you can have that, you know, that codependent, toxic, oh my gosh, you're leaving again. I hate you. I love you. (laughs) you. Or it can be fun. It can be sexy. It can just be um, an adventure. You know, it doesn't have to be this dramatic, (laughs) um, toxic thing that we often go through. And we're worthy of overflow. We're worthy of, you know, having experience where we can, we can have fun with money. And that's not, we don't have to feel guilty about that. We don't have to feel guilty about selling something. We all, everyone listening and the clients that I work with, they're selling something that's transformative. They're helping people change their lives and people are shy about it. You know, Mm -hmm. people are, are guilty and feel so much shame just around wanting, even wanting money for the good work that they're putting out into the world. And when you feel worthy of that, you show up unapologetically. You show up like, hey, yeah, like I need to, I'm trying to help you, you know, like here's the <laughs> thing that I'm offering. And you feel like, you know what? Um, yes, I'm making money and not everyone has this amount of money. And you know what? I can have a, an awesome impact. It doesn't have to be um, I'm a starving artist or like I'm rich and I have no impact. You know what I mean? Like you can change the world Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, have enough for you, your family, and to contribute even more good into this world. You can have a luscious life, I was thinking while you were talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, I just, what, what came up earlier about the, the patriarchy and women, women and money, of course, we don't have a relationship with money. We have been, I mean, our relationship with love is we were slaves to our father, or we were owned by our fathers, and then we were owned by our husbands, right? Like father sold property, pardon me, was the word, property of our fathers, and then property of our husbands, right? Women, and still in many parts of the world, women are still sold to their husbands. And when it comes to, so that's, that's relationship. When it comes to money, we had no, we had no control. And many women still don't like many, many of our generation's parents don't have control over their money. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I talked about this earlier this week that it was only in 1988, which is not long ago, 1988, that a woman Yes, that a woman could apply for a business loan without a co-signature of a male relative. 1988. So I've been saying, if you're a woman making your own money, that is a big freaking deal right now. And it is not your fault that you're struggling. And I think, you know, the unpacking all those beautiful questions that you offered earlier and just the willingness, and this is what the podcast is about, is the willingness to start questioning everything. 
Yes. Right. And think for yourself and choose for yourself and decide what you want to believe and to act your way into alignment with who you are and to know that your feelings matter and your needs matter. And that a plan, you know, a plan to marry rich is not the plan. (laughs) And being able to take care of yourself and stand up for yourself and love yourself because you know what? You're the only thing that is a constant in your life. You are the constant, you and the divine. And for me, I could not have gotten to the place where I've arrived with self-worth without a spiritual practice. That's it. And support. I had, and support, yes. And the women around me who actually modeled loving me and then I started to believe in their love for me. But it's a spiritual issue to come into I'm worthy and valuable because I exist, right? And then to start creating a life that reflects that and have people around you that reflects that and then slowly but surely having a freaking country that (laughs) reflects that for all humans but we've got a long way to go and it starts with the revolution inside and by cleaning up who we are and by women being empowered around money and worth like that's how we change the patriarchy is by us choosing to do it different so we're no longer feeding the system um so i know that i have by intention hearing you talk about relationship with money because mine is like i have no problem making money it just like but then when i have it i'm like gotta get rid of it i have so many things i have to get and it's like oh but it's actually i i know and i've been working with it for a while but i know it's an inability to actually receive it's like that Mm -hmm. gotta deepen that that um bowl inside of us to be able to hold hold it and to be able to just be with it and receive it. And so um, for all the women listening who are curious how you work with women, can you share? Yes. So one of the fun things that I've been doing lately is I've been doing VIP intensive days. And what's really cool about those days is we get to do that rapid subconscious reprogramming work. And one of the things I mentioned earlier is releasing that emotion. So releasing shame around money, releasing guilt, um, releasing hurt, releasing anything from launch trauma to ancestral Mm. trauma, those things that, you know, this has been handed down down, um, from generation to generation. So getting into your timeline and really starting to rapidly release those things. Mm. I've had clients release things from 10 generations back. I've had clients, you know, release things that happened in their childhood that caused shame. And it's so powerful because it sometimes it feels like this has nothing to do with money. But if you're walking around with shame and you're walking around with guilt around anything, that's going to affect how you're showing up in your day to day. Um, we also rapidly work on receiving because mm. obviously that's a big part of it when we're not receiving or pushing things away. Um, we cut off our ability to receive when we cut off help in any way, when we cut off support in any way, we're cutting off that ability to receive. So we do that. And then also in those VIP sessions, we future proof it. So I prepare you guys for the future. I prepare um, just your plan to continue to integrate this on a newer level. I know that people often do a lot of belief work, but um, sometimes it's hard to get it out of your energy body. Sometimes it's hard to release that emotion. And it's like, you're doing the belief work over and over and over and over again. So that's why I love these sessions. They're just a full day of us rewriting your money story. They're super powerful, super amazing. And it's been a good time. Wow. wow. So you do all that you work with all, you bring all the hypno and all that, that subconscious stuff into it. Into that one day. Yeah. So we go, cool. we go super, it's super intensive. We go super deep and it's, it's a fun time. Wow. 
That's so awesome. Thank so you. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, all the links will be posted below for how to get in touch with you. And we'll just say it one more time, the worthy and wealthy series.com for everybody to sign up for that. And Renee, thank you so much for thank being you. here with us. Yes, oh. queen. Worthiness queen. <laughs> the worthiness queen. Yeah. yeah the way you hold yourself and talk. I mean, I don't know if you, you, your voice has changed at all since you've done this work, but I just found the very first time that we met you on Zoom, just the way you hold yourself and speak and carry yourself is so like queenly, which is oh worth it. So, Thank yeah. you. That's the best compliment. <laughs> and may all women become the worthiness queen for themselves. Yes. And if you are listening and you know women in your life who need to hear what just got shared, share this episode with them. Like It's an act of generosity and service. This is raising the consciousness of the women around you. This is how we heal our world. And we are so grateful for you, Renee. And if you are not already in the New Truth Movement Facebook group, know that every Thursday we go live and Renee will join us this week if you're listening to it the week that the episode releases. And if you're not listening after the episode released, it's saved. The Facebook lives are saved and you can find them from every single person that we've had on the episode. Kate and I go live so you can keep following up and getting double time. Like this is ridiculously special (laughs) for you to get double time with both Kate and I and then Renee for her episode and everyone that we've had in this uh, movement. It's the New Truth Movement Facebook group and over and over again, I don't think we've had an episode yet where we haven't talked about the importance of sisterhood and women around you. So we are so grateful, so grateful for every subscription and review. The reviews are amazing. And Kate, thank you for doing this with me. And I'm so grateful that we met at a party in San Diego in 2013 (laughs) and that the divine had this plan for us too. So thank you, Renee, sending you so much love and we'll see everybody soon.